0: On July 16, 1990, the S&P 500 set a new record closing high of 368.95. On July 17, 1990, Saddam Hussein got on Iraqi television and threatened the Kuwaitis with invasion if they didn't live up to a bunch of his demands. And we know, of course, that they never did. And in early August of 1990, he would live up to his own threats and invade Kuwait and off and running we were into the Gulf War. In April, 1991, The NBER, the group of economists who have declared the ability to to say whether or not the U.S. economy is in recession, in April 1991, the NBER said, you know what? We were in recession in July of 1990. Now, we had all sorts of trouble trying to figure this out because the early part of the recession was very murky. It was quite ambiguous in the data. Here's what they said in April 1991. The committee noted that the various indicators of economic activity normally used to determine the month of the business cycle peak were generally flat during the summer of 1990. Each of the major indicators reached a peak in a different month. During the summer, the month-to-month changes in these indicators were small. Non-farm payroll employment reached a peak in June. Real personal income peaked in July. Real manufacturing and trade sales peaked in August. The index of industrial production peaked in September. Like a lot of recessions, the recession of 1990-91 was difficult to see in the data in the early stage. That's what the NBR was saying. And if you were thinking in, in 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 the summer of 1991, whether or not the US was going to hit a recession, not only was the data ambiguous, you certainly could not depend upon the stock market because the stock market was still rising. It was rising to a record high in the very same month which the NBER now says a recession happened. And later on in 1990 and early into 1991, there would be no doubt. But confusion reigned throughout the summer of 1990 into the fall to a certain extent while everybody was preoccupied on Iraq and Kuwait. But in the real economy, stocks and the real economy didn't seem to have too much association with each other. And there are some other bigger questions here that raise raise doubts about what it is exactly that the stock market is telling us. We all think the stock market means the economy. In fact, most people get their views on what the economy is doing from a few simple data points, including the payroll reports, meaning usually the unemployment rate, the headline uh, establishment survey, GDP, but that's on a quarterly basis, and stocks. Most people, their understanding of what's going on in the real economy comes from those things. And the question is why? And in, in a really a really good example of doubts as to the ability of stocks to really discount the macroeconomic and really the financial conditions in, in the uh, not just the United States but the entire global system, that was the late 1980s. Not just 1990 and recession. Don't forget the crash of '87. Why didn't the crash of '87 lead to Great Depression 2.0? After all, what most people think of when they think of the Great Depression, they think of the crash in 1929, and then wave after wave of bank failures in the early 1930s. Thus, stock market crash, bank failures, Great Depression. However, in the late 1980s, we had a stock market crash in October of 87, and a wave of bank failures throughout the latter half of the 1980s, right on into 1990. Where was Great Depression 2.0? The, the FDIC says there was 262 bank failures in 87, that rose to 470 in 88 in the aftermath of the stock market crash and 534 in 1989. Where was the depression? What were stocks doing? Why were stocks going to a record high and the economy didn't seem to be bothered by anything until July of 1990? Lots of stuff to go over today and how those things especially relate to 2023 where we have, we have concerns. Are we heading into a recession? What do we make of all of the bank failures even though there's only a few of them right now? What do we make of bank failures in 2023? What about stocks that are back in a bull market? Should we even care about them as a macroeconomic and financial signal? But first, I'm Jeff, this is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. If you are interested, Eurodollar University has memberships available. Where we get into, and I just did a whole series on this very question, the background, monetary details, finance, Eurodollar, what it is, what the system is, why it matters, why it needs to circulate, all of those questions. We also have research subscriptions, a daily briefing I contribute to marketsinsiderpro.com, as well as a deep dive analysis at Eurodollar University's own website, where we dive deep into all of these topics and several more. We go way behind the stuff that we talk about here on YouTube. That's all the information available for you at eurodollar.university. So I think we need to start today with the crash of 87 before we get to 1990 and the recession the crash of 87 which I was a little bit too young at the time but I still remember it uh being a a, how old was I 13 I think anyway I still remember that it was a big deal I mean it was obviously a big deal because it was the worst stock market single day in the stock market since 1929 and everybody was thinking okay wow the We got banking crisis. We got stocks falling precipitously. We got the economy that was looking sort of shaky in 86 and a little bit into 87. And people thought, boy, are we about to experience the second coming of the Great Depression? And by people, I also include those at the Federal Reserve. Although, to be fair, those in the Federal Reserve, when you read through the transcripts, they were more uncertain than they were convinced that we were heading into the 1930s again. However, they recognized that maybe, just maybe, that was a possibility that they needed to be aware of. Um, it's interesting to note, too, that we don't really know exactly what the Fed was thinking during the crash and the immediate aftermath because, as it says here, secretary's note, there will telephone conferences each workday from October 19, 90, 1987, which was Black Monday, through October 30th, 1987, but the conference call of October 20th was conveniently the only one for which a transcript was prepared. Further, there is no transcript record of the beginning of this very call. So what the Fed was talking about in the, in the, on the day of the crash as well as the immediate aftermath for the couple weeks after, we'll never know because they apparently don't want us to know. And then maybe they were just a little bit more panicked and alarmed than they want posterity to realize. But we do have a little bit of a a transcript for October 20th, the day after the crash. We're gonna start with Chairman Greenspan who's asking a staff member, Sam Cross, if he could explain why the dollar is as strong as it was in that environment. Because they figured stock market crash. The economy at risk u.s dollar investments are now unsafe all over the board which means foreigners are going to be selling u.s dollar assets to get the hell out of the country therefore the dollar is going to plummet that's what they were very much afraid of mr cross answered well perhaps reflecting what peter is talking about in our bond market there has been some tendency to move into treasury bonds as a kind of attractive place at this point given the chaos in so many equity markets around the world, because this was a global thing. But I think there certainly has been liquidation of overseas positions. And we've heard reports, certainly from our colleagues in Canada and from a one or two other places, that they have seen investment firms and others liquidating positions, for example, in Canadian dollars, and bringing them back. What he was saying without realizing it is that first of all, the stock market wasn't imperiling just the U.S. dollar asset system. It was a global phenomenon because by then we had globally interconnected markets. Not quite globally synchronized just yet, but globally interconnected markets. But the issue here was about stocks versus the monetary system versus the financial system versus the real economy. Unlike the 1929 crash where stocks were intricately connected with the monetary system through something called call money or street loans in New York City, where equities were actually used as collateral for short-term money market loans. It was the repo of the day, the subprime mortgage repo of the late 1920s. That There was nothing like that in the 1980s. The stock market had been completely detached from the monetary system, which for good reason, obviously. And by the late 1980s, the only real way that the stock market crash was going to make it was was going to make the economy really suffer was either through sentimental impacts, where consumers reacted to sharply lower lower uh, share prices and started to cut back spending, or businesses reacted to sharply lower prices and said we need to we're going to hire fewer workers and invest less stuff. But they also worried about the dollar. The dollar crashing would potentially not just heighten the sentimental impact but have some real impacts too. But even in the early aftermath of the stock market crash they weren't seeing that because there wasn't this widespread liquidation of u.s dollar assets instead those who were imperiled by the october 1987 stock crash were finding it relatively easy to navigate and intermediate between currencies around the world through u.s dollars to other currencies or to ma- to manage their positions that were open in the u.s dollar system what i'm hinting at is the U.S. dollar system, which wasn't the U.S. dollar, it was the Euro dollar system, was more than okay in the fall of 1987. I'm going to fast forward to the regular FOMC meeting now in November of 1987, November 3rd of 1987. And the fellow's name is Frank Morris, who was the president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston, who happened to be born in 1923. So he was old enough to have lived through First, the crash in 1929, as well as the Great Depression itself. And he asked, how do we handle this ball of wax on the declining dollar and avoid not putting all kinds of pressure on long-term bond rates that are going to be very destabilizing for the domestic economy? Because November 1987, they were still convinced the dollar is going to go way down. If we have another run-up in rates, we are going to see a new low in the stock market. I don't think there's any question about that. So I think it's, an un, it's a most unstable financial situation. I wasn't around in 1929, Morris said, at least not old enough to know what was going on, but I can't recall a period when we have had such an unstable financial system as we have right at this moment. No, history would show that was wrong. The financial system was incredibly stable. The equity markets That small corner of the financial system, not the entire financials, that small corner of the financial system was experiencing a spasm of its own. It didn't spill over into the monetary system. The monetary system was more than fine, even though at that very time, as I mentioned in the introduction, there were over a thousand bank failures between 1987 and 1990. Stock market crash, bank failures, yet the monetary system was more than fine. It was more than able to withstand not just the stock market crash, but potentially any fallout from it. Despite what central bankers at the Federal Reserve were worrying about, and many of them maybe privately thought Great Depression 2.0 risks, instead the monetary system, the Eurodollar system was operating at full capacity. In fact, it was going better than full capacity, which is why there was never any economic fallout. The market crashed, banks were failing, and the economy of the late 1980s, 88 and 89 in particular, seemed to be completely unbothered by any of it. We go to February 1988, and already the Federal Reserve could see, despite the fact that they were worried in the immediate aftermath of the crash, it seemed, they couldn't find any evidence that the economy was, was even slowing down. In fact, in early 1988, despite the, the, big, the big fuss and bother about the crash back in 80, October 87, The Fed was starting to think more about inflation again because there didn't seem to be any interruption in the uh, economic system. Here's Alan Greenspan, of course, February 1988. The other side of the problem is that if if we are not dealing with any particular slowdown here, then the question largely is what then begins to emerge? And I suspect that what we have is a very tough policy problem because I think there are short-term risks in the sense that I think the markets need more time for healing. They didn't meaning they need more more general softness in the short end of the money market. Nope, money markets were fine. But it's fairly apparent also, if the general views around this table are correct about the longer term, and I must say I subscribe pretty much to what everyone has been saying about fears of inflation, that we have to make certain if we choose to be a little accommodative in the short run, we don't send the message that's our longer term view. Because as we know, even today, the Fed always, always always has this inflation bias. Good reason in the late 1980s having had a close experience with the great inflation. But that should have behooven them to understand where the great inflation came from instead of buying into the myth of Paul Volcker and thinking, well, we don't ever need to understand the monetary system. We'll just move the, the federal funds rate around and hope that has some effect. So the bank failures, as well as the stock market, detached from the monetary system. In fact, the bank failures, the s crisis of the 80s, unlike the 1920s, 1930s, the S&L crisis was these, certain, these old dinosaur types of depository institutions dabbling in this new way of Eurodollar money and finding that they were unsuitable for it. So the monetary system itself, the Eurodollar system, continued to advance forward even if it left behind the S&Ls. And there was no fallout from the real, in the real economy from either the crash of 87 or the s and crisis until that mild recession in 1990, simply because the Euro dollar at that point was invulnerable. But back to our original position here, original question. What is it that stocks are telling us? Did the stock market in July of 1990 tell us anything about the real economic situation as it would be in 1990 heading into 1991? Not really, because we had a recession developing from the earlier months in 1990, even before Saddam Hussein, even before the really the the oil price spike earlier in that year. the 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 economy was already questionable, as is usually the case in the early parts of recession. The data becomes ambiguous until all of a sudden it isn't. So, if our question and if our task here is to look around and decide, are we in recession in 2023? Setting aside the banking question for a moment, the monetary question for a moment, the economic cycle questions, what can we use to decide whether in recession? Well, I would hesitate to use stocks because historically speaking, they don't perform all that well around cycle peaks as well as cycle um, cycle adjustments. Transition phases. Uh, 2007 and 2008, a perfect example. I've talked about before how the S&P 500 also hit a record high in October of 2007, mere weeks before the great "quote unquote" recession would begin, there was even a rally from the from the moment of Bear Stearns until May, the middle of May 2008, where the stock market rallied, the S&P 500 rallied about 12 percent. So that in May 2008, in the middle of what would be the great great recession, in the middle of a full-on monetary crisis, stocks were the S&P 500 was only down about nine percent from its peak in May of 2008. So, as far as reliable indicators of the economic situation as well as the financial and monetary situation, that's not the stock market. We're going to have to look at other things, which is why we spend so much time on this channel talking about things that are actually monetary, that are actually financial. Bond curves, the monetary system, repo, actual markets, physical, fundamental markets, and the exact as. The stock market gets back into a bull market, maybe for the time being, though I don't think it'll be all that long. On the other side, we have crude oil. And we're gonna to continue to talk about crude oil because it's showing up as a global economic indicator, a real one, and a monetary indicator too. Just today, as just before I started speaking, WTI, the front month July contract was 67.66, down big. We're back into the 67s again even though Saudi Arabia, more production cuts, threats of more. But what's interesting is now we have full-on contango all the way into September. So July is 67.66, August 2023 contract 67.81, and the September contract 67.83, despite tight supplies, low margins, and everything else. So as far as market indications, if you wanna just settle on one or two, stock market doesn't tell you what's going on in the economy, oil does stock market doesn't really tell you what's going on in the monetary system oil does as far as 2023 the big questions this this year and into next year monetary system and the economy together unlike the 1980s we have a broken monetary system that's incredibly fragile and the bank failures that we've seen so far this year are symptoms of that fragility, unlike in the 1980s where they were symptoms of other things. And the monetary system back then was incredibly robust and growing. In fact, it was really in its early stages of its mature cycle, this Euro dollar system. So broken monetary system and bank failures as well as oil markets talking about recession, that's nothing like the 1990s. I'm Jeff, this is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, huge thank you, Eurodollar University research subscribers, Markets Insider Pro research subscribers, and of course, all the Eurodollar University members. Until next time, take care.